South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. It could be worse. You could live where I live. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the Stadium Scene.tv network, and we are coming to you directly after the Raptors' Game 7 defeat at the hands of the Boston Celtics. It is approximately 10 past 12 a.m. Eastern Time. I am very tired, but we are doing this. We uh, we committed to this. We're doing this, and I know there's a lot of things that we all would like to get off our chest. Joining me to do so is Connor Chambers of Toronto Sports Views and Richard Burfer of Pick and Pod, who is in Texas, so it's technically 11 p.m. for him. Lucky you. Uh, Rich, let's start with you, man. What's going on? Uh, yeah. Living. I'm driving home, but I'm thinking about driving off the edge of the world instead. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, please don't do that. Please. Uh, Connor, how are you, how are you doing, man? You, you okay? I love, I'd love to be a passenger in Rich's car right no. now. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, yeah. my music slaps. Like, you'll if- be listening to a banger on your way out. That's all anybody can really ask for, right? <laughs> like, throw me a banger when I go, and I'm okay with that. That's it. Dude, I also drive a Jeep, so we can, like, take the doors off and go out in style. What are you oh, that's Cherokee? real That's or real. you get a shit. Wrangler? Uh-huh. You get a Wrangler? Yes, sir. Oh, dude, it's my dream car. <laughs> for real. Come, come right off the edge with us. All right. Fuck it. Let's just get in there. <laughs> Um, hey, if I sound different, it's because I'm using a different microphone. I'm testing one out. So uh, let me know how you guys like the sound. But uh, that's the least important of my concerns right now. The Toronto Raptors just fell to the Boston Celtics in game seven of round two in the NBA playoffs, 92 to 87. Uh, all I can say about this game is that I'm glad it wasn't a blowout. You know, um, for all of the mental and uh, execution errors that the Raptors committed, um, for all the times that I was just staring in disbelief, um, it, it, this still remained relatively close, and it was an under 100-point game, which sort of says something to the defensive abilities of both teams. But, uh, look, Connor, you said you wanted to get some things off your chest. You said you wanted to call some people out. Um, I'm going to give you the floor, bro, because we got some Twitter questions rolling in, so we can get to those in a bit. Why don't you go first, dude? How are you feeling? Um, you, when you were on the TSV podcast on Thursday after the game, uh, when you had Wednesday. some stuff to get off your chest uh, Wednesday, holy <laughs> fuck. <laughs> when you when you had some stuff to get off your chest, um, the first thing that you went to was Siakam, and that's what I'm going to do here today. Um, we've discussed Siakam at length on this podcast. Siakam has been discussed at length in the national media. So I don't think there's going to be much more that that I can say that's going to be groundbreaking or um, mind-boggling in terms of, oh, I never thought about that with Pascal. Um, Something has gone horribly wrong. There there has been a level of disconnect between bubble Siakam and normal C Siakam. I don't know what the fuck happened. 
I don't know if he made a deal with the devil to get all-star starter Siakam. And now this is the payoff because you always got to pay the piper when you make a deal with the devil. I don't know what the fuck happened. But this man is a shell of his former self. He's a shell. I, I don't know who's on the court right now. I've never seen this player in my life. I haven't seen that Siakam even in his rookie and sophomore year, because even in his rookie and sophomore year, he still looked to be in somewhat more of control than what I'm seeing right now. He's out of control. His decision-making is horrendous. He needs to take a step back, look and reevaluate. And, and, and I still believe in Siakam. I believe that this was just one rough patch for him and he will figure it out. But holy fuck. Saying that, he shouldn't have been left in the game for that long. That is on Nick Nurse. Nick, you royally fumbled the bag tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I think that you coached horrendously tonight. You left Gasol out way longer than he should have been. You left Pascal Siakam out way longer than he should have been. It was like a ride or die with him. It's the stubbornness that we saw with Dwayne Casey that really irked me, and I didn't think I would see it from Nick Nurse. I think this is one of his worst coach games I've ever seen him coach. I am I'm actually disgusted with Nick Nurse tonight. I think that it was a brutal game for him and his coaching staff, and he should really own the blame on this one because of his poor rotations. Like He didn't play Matt Thomas enough. He The, the team got hot when Matt Thomas was on the floor, and I get you can't leave him out there exposed for that long i get it he's he's a defensive liability you come in for spurts but you could have interjected his energy for one or two more times in the game he came out once and that was it i don't understand that i think that he was a key cog in getting some threes and getting some flow down for this team so pascal siakam again we already know that whole story nick nurse i thought he fumbled the bag tonight really badly and um, Fred Van Vliet, again, man, uh, the decision making was not there. He and I know you've been preaching four one hundred for Fred Van Vliet. That dude's not getting four one hundred. You yeah, know it as much as I yeah, do now. Um, no, he will. He if if he you know, if he gets more than four eighty, someone should be fired. Bro, he's going to get it. Is, he's just not going to get it from Toronto. Well, that and again, how, who are the teams that are in contention of bidding for Fred Van Vliet. Detroit, Detroit and New York and, and the Knicks. Yeah. And they have a notorious history of overpaying yeah. for mediocre players. Right. So if they're going to pay that, let him walk. Cause he's not worth that. But, um, and Marcus all can go fuck off. I don't want him on this team next year. Uh, it's done. It's done for Marcus all goodbye. And your 22 million, you can take a hike. Um, that's it for me in terms of the negatives, man. I just, I, there, the, the the turnovers, obviously, like, I know we're going to get into that. That's why I didn't even make mention of it. Right. The turnovers were the key factor in this, to be honest. But in terms of individuals, those are the ones I wanted to call out because I think that um, as it's a team loss collectively when you turn the ball over that much, but they didn't help at all, those guys, at all tonight. I feel you. Um, before I respond to any of that, Rich, what do, you, do you want anything to unload? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm not as depressed as Connor is. Um, the way I usually watch sports, and especially in the playoffs, is I get mad during a series, but once it's done, I just kind of 
like to reflect, see what was good and what was bad. I think Nick Nurse was plain and simple. He was terribly outcoached this entire series. Today, it wasn't good. But moreover, there are two games in which the Raptors simply didn't show up. And when you don't show up at the start of a game and you're just gone for the all 48 minutes, that's on the coach. And in a seven-game series, that can't happen. Um, in terms of Pascal Siakam, partially he was, I mean, a lot of the times he looked uncomfortable. I want this to he, and he's still a very young player. I want this to be a learning experience. That's the most important thing because obviously his role on the team was upgraded like literally overnight when Kawhi chose to leave this team. But that being said, I just feel like there is too often you saw him get placed into just poor situations. Like you don't allow him to succeed when like Pascal Siakam averaged 0 0.9 points per hundred per, per possession on post in the post when he was posting up players and the Celtics are so ready for it they had um, a smaller guy with like who used center of gravity like Marcus Smart Jalen Brown was ready for it and the and the Raptors just kept going at it and going at it and it just didn't work and you and Siakam just couldn't get in rhythm obviously his shot wasn't falling and it seems like halfway through the series he was just like fuck it I give up and like you can see that he just wasn't confident at all with a shot. And then oftentimes you see him act as the primary ball handler when you have Kyle and Freddie on the court with him. And while I do think he's improved his ball handling since his rookie season, and he has. It's a low ball, this bro. Is not what you want. Like, the Boston Celtics have so many tough, strong wings that get so handsy. Like, you don't want to put Siakam in that situation. Siakam it was at his best this season when the Raptors just were just running up and down the court and people were just unable to handle like his high motor, like his athleticism, his length, his explosiveness. And what the, happened this series was the Raptors have struggled in the half court all year. They were middle of the pack and the Celtics were ready to continue to dominate the Raptors in the half court. And they weren't able to establish whether that's because Nick Nurse wasn't putting players in a position to succeed or if Siakam wasn't aggressive enough. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But like I said, it's Siakam is still so young. I hope he takes this as a learning experience. I hope Nick Nurse, who's still a very young head coach in this league, I hope he takes this as a learning experience. And lastly, I mean, you need a Kyle Lowry to show up for this game. And in the first half, he was passive. He wasn't looking for a shot. He wasn't aggressive. And in the second half, it was just too little too late, and he was getting to foul trouble, and he was out of rhythm. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of things that went badly. Like, one last thing that I'll say is Jalen Brown struggled with a shot today at the beginning of the game, and he struggled with a shot in Game 4 or Game 5, whenever it was. But what I love about Jalen Brown is that the confidence was there to just keep fucking firing. Like, he gets an open look, he shoots. He keeps looking for a shot. And what I noticed from the Raptors, like you saw it from, like, OG maybe a little bit today. You see it from Kyle Lowry sometimes. You see it from, like, everyone here. Like, if they struggle, they start to shy away from shots. While Jalen Brown was like, okay, I missed a few good looks, but I'm going to make the next one. I'm going to keep fucking shooting. And the Raptors just didn't have that. And... 
essentially the Raptors weren't the better team this series and the better team won. The fact that the Raptors were even able to get this to a game seven after being outplayed pretty much the entire series is incredible. You just have to reflect, take the good with the bad, learn from it and get better next year. Right. Um, I don't disagree with anything that either of you said necessarily. Um, if I'm going to nitpick, which, you know, whatever. Um, sure. I've been critical of Pascal Siakam's play, both on this podcast and Connor, your podcast, TSV. Um, I, I have, I think it was after game two that I royally flipped out on Pascal Siakam. And a lot of that holds true today. Look, you can say that his ball handling skills have improved since his rookie year, but I said, I don't know if you heard me interject slightly. I said, that's a very low bar. It's a very, very low bar, uh, and I, I, I don't know that you can um, hope for that kind of production or hope for that kind of thing to blossom because some players just don't have it. And he seems to, when it comes to the ball handling, it seems to run contrary to his strengths, and it comes it sort of runs contrary to his body type. Um, he's very lanky. He's very uh, long, and it, it, I mean... I don't want to say skinny, but he's he's not, you know, a, a dude that's jacked here. So I don't know that ball handling skills will ever ever be uh, a part of his game that he's going to flourish in. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be. What, what I have a problem with is that when these cute ball handling moves lead to unforced turnovers, right? And the these sort of, I don't know, I, I just... I don't want to pick on him too much, and I know that's really hypocritical of me to say because I think there was more. There were more reasons why the Raptors lost this series and this game than just exclusively Pascal Siakam, and a lot of which you guys pointed out. Um, but he certainly is the highlight for me. Um, we can talk about how Nick Nurse got out coached today, and I and I agree that he did. We could talk about how there was some uh, veteran favoritism when it comes to Marcus All leaving him in there too long, which is true. Um, but the vast majority of the series, I haven't really had a problem necessarily with Nick Nurse's coaching. The vast majority of the series, I've had a problem with Pascal Siakam. So I think Pascal Siakam is a huge reason why in the this the Raptors were trailing as much as they did. Um, I think without his offense, without his uh, creating, without his, as you mentioned, Rich, um, the fast breaks, his speed, his burst of energy. Without that, it seemed it, I, I don't recall seeing a single spin move um, at all. Maybe one today, but not like the Pascal Siakam we knew. So I don't know if there's something up mentally. I don't know if there's something up physically. I don't know if it's both, but there is cer- something certainly wrong with Pascal Siakam. Um, regar- I, Good. Good. If you quickly say one yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, how he's more lanky than strong. And I think that was a big part of this series. Like, you see the guys who were covering him, like, Jalen Brown is jacked as shit. Like, try backing that guy in. You can't. Mm-hmm. Marcus Smart is a guard. But, like, you look at that dude, that guy is built like a brick wall. And, honestly, like, Pascal Siakam just can't box these guys in. Like, you saw him take advantage of guys like Wanamaker, because there was a clear size advantage. Yeah. Like every now and then he took advantage of like Kemba when the Celtics like messed up and there was that switch. But for the majority of the series, it was Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, and they were just too strong. They kept pushing him back. And I think just like right from game one, 
when Pascal Siakam got into foul trouble early and the shot wasn't falling, I think he just lost confidence. And th- it happens with a young player. And th- for me, we've been hammering on Siakam pretty much all postseason. I think the most important thing now, now that it's all over, is just I really hope that he learns from this and just continues to get better because the Raptors paid him a ton of money mm. to not do this again. We can't bank on that, though, right? I don't feel comfortable banking on uh, Pascal Siakam taking a next step uh, in his game, which I, I have no doubt that he will, but I, the clear distinction between the Raptors and the Celtics um, is, and I've mentioned this before, too, for as good as the Raptors are and have been all regular season, right? And for as much as we value Kyle Lowry, right? He's the greatest Raptor of all time. He's, he's the king. He will get his number retired and he'll have a statue. He should. Um, for as much as Fred Van Vliet went from undrafted to a, a notable NBA player that Connor, I still believe, will get a decent contract, if not a max from some other team that is out of contention. Um, you know, we, Norman Powell took a huge step forward this postseason and this regular season too, when he wasn't hurt. Um, for all of these strengths, and again, not minimizing anything that the Raptors have done, they don't have a superstar. They don't. Celtics have two. And you can say that Jason Tatum's not there yet. I believe he is. He was outstanding. He's been, uh, he, I never paid this much close attention to Jason Tatum until this series because I, I have to watch them for seven games. Um, he's, he just amazes me. His resiliency, his basketball IQ, his fundamentals are so sound. He's going to be a special player, if not already. Jalen Brown is a special player. Um, you cannot regard them as superstars if you don't want to. To me, they're, they're right there. And the Raptors don't have anybody that's right there. Pascal Siakam proved that he's not right there. Um, so this is, this is the next talking point. You know, what do the Raptors have to do? Because next year is a, is a weird flux year because we have to pay attention to the 2021 season. We have to pay attention to that free agency class. So I, I don't see pushing chips in again or acquiring free agents for more than a year uh, unless you're Fred Van Vliet and you have some sort of handshake deal or something. I don't know. Connor, what do you do? Because if, if you agree with me that the Raptors can't win without a superstar, which I don't think they can, we're just going to see another repeat of this next year. Maybe. Sure. Um, it's, it's tough. I don't, I don't envy Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster right now. They have a lot of tough decisions to make. Uh, I think going into the bubble, they thought that, you know, that whatever happens in the result of this, um, we still have a great future for building around Pascal Siakam. Uh, we, we can, we can afford to give some money to Fred Van Vliet, uh, depending on what the, the price is. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Mm. And then we can sort of figure it out from there. Maybe, you know, you know, Norman will come back on a team-friendly option. Uh, everyone was crying about it being overpaid at the beginning of the year. Now it actually looks like a great deal. Uh, Marcus Saul won't be returning, I don't think. No, uh, he can't. I, 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 no, I don't think so. Uh, Serge Ibaka Serge is going to get paid. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting, man. I don't know. Like, I think if anybody on this roster were to take a team-friendly deal, it would be Serge Ibaka. Yeah. I think his love for Toronto, for the city, for the organization is one where he would 
be willing to take less money. But um, going into 2021, that's the year, right? Like coveted Giannis. There's Kawhi Leonard's out there. Not saying that the Raptors would get Kawhi Leonard again. I'm just saying he's out there. Mm. Paul George is out there. Uh, I know I'm missing another big name. Uh, I, I know Victor Oladipo's out there. So Everyone. there's a, ev- everybody and their mothers. I are think everybody minus Butler is out there. Basically. Oh, oh, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> man, like it's, it is a very deep, very stacked free agency pool. And everyone's going to become a player. The thing is, is now you've got to audition your team for these free agents. You got to say, this is why our team deserves your to be partnered with you for the next three, four years. Yeah, because you have to now show them something. If Siakam, if Siakam's rut carries over and this isn't just a bubble thing. Like, I, I still think this is a bubble thing. I've touched on this in, on the last pod that we did on the TSV podcast. I think it's something in the bubble. Mm. And I think something has happened here. And I will be curious to see what happens when he gets out of the bubble. But let's say we don't have Fred Van Vliet. Okay, yeah. we don't have Fred Van Vliet. Pascal doesn't develop at the rate that we were hoping. Or the this rut or an inconsistency starts to develop. Kyle Lowry gets a bit older. We don't. Uh, we might not of, even have him. Well, uh, well, I know he's he's back for one. Like he's under contract for one more season. No. Yeah, but for 2021, he's yes. not there. Uh, no, no. Oh, yeah, no. For 2021, no. But I, I'm talking about next year. Oh yeah, like, sure, I'm sure. talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about the year coming up. The audition year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Kyle Lowry gets a little bit older. Mm. Um. You know, Terrence Davis might step up a bit, but like if you're fucking banking on Terrence Davis to make an impression on one of these top free agents, like, that's bad. Yep. So, um, OG Ananobi maybe would be your 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 best chip Gotta to pay be him like, too. yeah. Well, he's he's going to be due for something, but you can look to say, look, this dude's up and coming. He's going to become a stud. You could play with him and Pascal, but Pascal has to develop again. Mm. There has to be something to show these free agents pascal could be my number two og could be my number three okay so um fuck it's this is their audition year it's gonna be tough and i don't know if messiah and bobby want to pull off a trade to bring in a number two to attract a number one if they're comfortable with pascal being the number two and making more complimentary pieces around him i don't Mm. know how they want to play this but things got a lot more claw uh things got a lot more foggy and cloudy after that bubble, I'll tell you that. Yeah. What about you, Rich? So, first of all, I think that we should count on Siakam and OG taking another step forward because they have consistently shown that they've been able to do that mm-hmm. with each year. Like, mm-hmm. despite what happened over the past couple of weeks, like Siakam did take a, a promising step forward this season as a whole. Same with OG. So, I threw this out there in our group chat a couple, like a week ago, but. Fred Van Vliet, sign and trade, throw in Powell, uh, Norman Powell, few first round picks for, for Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal has three years left on his contract. Marcus Saul comes off the books. Serge Ibaka comes off the books. You're obviously trading away con- uh, Norman's contract and, 
and um, Fred Van Vliet's whatever contract he's going to get, which I think is going to be in the four, four for 75 range. You acquire Bradley Beal. You have one more year of Kyle Lowry, and then Kyle Lowry comes off the books just in time for Giannis, who I actually I DM'd Giannis like two months ago. I sent him the contact information <laughs> of one of the friends real estate agent in Toronto. Nice. <laughs> um, so I'm just saying, I think the, the Wizards might be at a spot right now where they might consider rebuilding. And, I mean, you get Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell, two young guys who are going to be on contract. Fred Van Vliet, no matter how he looked this series, and I mean, like, he was going up against some big-ass dudes. I still think he's a great point guard who's, while I think a lot of what he does is kind of like Kyle Lowry. He's, there are some things that he does that don't pop up on the stat sheet but make him so valuable. So, I mean, I'll just throw it out there. Like, we could use a Bradley Beal. And I think next season, you have Kyle Lowry, Bradley Beal, OG, who's not due for, I'm, I'm not, I don't believe he's due to get paid yet. this offseason. No, no. He's not. Yeah. And then you try to build around that. You need a big. I mean, you can find, you'll find a big. Yeah, you'll, you will. You will. Look, I'll, 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 I'll worry about the big later. If I get Bradley Beal, I'll be, I'll be happy. We'll, we'll work on getting some random tall guy. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean Biz, Bismarck, Bismarck's coming back. Yeah, baby. we can get Bismarck. Biz. Look. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, the Boston Celtics found Daniel Tyus in the middle of nowhere and are going to need to guarantee him for next year for $5 million. And yeah. he is awesome. Yeah. He is worth every single penny. If you can find a... Like, here's the thing with big men. a lot, Like, what the game is predicated on right now is the pick and roll, good defense. Like, he, a big man doesn't have to score a ton anymore. Like, right. what Daniel Tyus is... Like, the reason the Celtics have been so good... And obviously, Jason Tatum took an incredible step forward. But Daniel Tice is so huge for their pick-and-roll offense. And it's burned the Raptors all series long. But, like, if you just rewatch the tape and see how, what Daniel Tice does for the $5 million that he makes, it's just so important for the, this team's offense. He can score zero points and take two shots. But what he does with how he moves, with the screens he sets, with the pick-and-roll, it's so valuable. And that's not too expensive right now no find um, um yeah no you're right and i i trust masai to be able to fill those gaps adequately um regarding your buell take i don't hate it right now i'm at the point where i'm so vulnerable after this loss that anything's on the table with the exception of, we, i'm sorry we, we are so weak right now yes yes we are <laughs> I am at my lowest. Um, I just want to do... Uh, the reason why I'm talking about next year and trades and whatnot and scenarios, um, I want to make this clear. And I see a lot of this on Twitter right now, and it's, it's, it's sort of baffling to me. I understand these are frustrating losses, and I understand the whole Toronto fan base right now is in a state of weakness. Um, and I mean that with all due respect. We're all, we're all grieving here for this season. Um, in no way do I endorse trading Pascal Siakam. Uh, I, I, I hope that's clear. We can be frustrated with this play, Unless it's for like a mega superstar, unless Giannis is coming back, maybe. But but um, I don't see that happening. Um, I, I I don't understand why people are so quick to just say trade this person. Um, again, it, Connor, I think you're right. I think the environment heavily influenced uh, Pascal Siakam's bad play. 
um, or lack of a superstar. Maybe he's not a true number one option and never will be. And again, that's okay. But we see we saw him flourish with Kawhi Leonard last year. So maybe he just needs another superstar to sort of uh, have the attention drawn off of him. And maybe that's how he flourishes. I don't know. But, you know, I'm looking at these numbers today, and it's just, you know, n- not a single member of the starting lineup was in the, the plus column. And I don't know how much um, emphasis you guys want to put on plus minus. I know we sort of shit on it all the time. Um, but that's, that's just not good. You can't win a game seven when your entire starting lineup is in the negative. Um, turnovers were a bitch. 18 turnovers for the Toronto Raptors. Um, killed us plus the transition defense as a result of those turnovers and fast breaks killed us. Um, it's just not good. 12 steals for the Boston Celtics, 12 and to Toronto's one, one steal all game. Um, we can't have this. And for everyone, all you Celtics fans bitching about the referees in game six, Toronto had 23 personal fouls to Celtics 16. Okay, so <laughs> not, there's no conspiracy here. And I don't even have a problem with the officiating, really, in this in this. And game. they missed a goal 10 at the beginning. Sure, okay, so we lost by three. <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Or, or Is that what the final score was? Yeah, we lost by three points then. Fine. Yeah. It's still lost. Um, I just, I, I, I'm, I don't know what to do. And I think next year is going to be such a weird year because obviously there's going to be a recency bias into how you evaluate this team. If you're Masai Ujiri based on this series, right? You can't base what happened and what you're going to do based on the net series. That's, it's a non-factor. What, what are we evaluating here? We played a bunch of scrubs, honestly, no offense to Karis LeVert, but played a bunch of scrubs. Um, he's a, he's a baller though. That guy's he is, cold. But I'm he's saying a baller. the team couldn't do it. You know, and he, he can't sure. carry a team. Um, so you look at this lineup, it's just not going to cut it next year. Even if you were to bring back, and I don't endorse this, Gasol on a cheap deal or Surge on a cheap deal, and you just keep the same, you're going to get the same results. And what the thing, the reason why I'm so curious about next year is, you know, when Masai made those moves of firing Dwayne Casey and trading DeMar, he said you can't keep running back the same thing and expecting different results. So if we're going to have a mirror image of this squad, we're going to expect the same results. And if, if we're going to expect the same results, what's the point? Um, <laughs> so here, here's the thing. The, the Raptors, for most of the year and against most teams, shot it really well and effectively. They just couldn't seem to do it against Boston. Yeah. And I and I kind of don't understand why, because a lot of shots that they missed were open. So I don't necessarily know like th- this group has had like th- this group technically to an extent, this core <laughs> won a championship together and then they got bounced in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the shots, a couple of the wide open shots that they have drop in the series could have been Toronto. Like, I think that if Toronto hits even one quarter of the open shots that they miss, they win this series. So, um, I don't like, like that. That's, that's the thing. That's why I don't envy the position that Masai and Bobby Webster are in, because look, the reality of the situation is that you lost in the second round of the playoffs, the Boston Celt the, the Brooklyn Nets were not a great team. The Boston Celtics are a good team. Are the Boston Celtics a championship caliber team? I do not think so. Not yet. I think that they have maybe one more year 
or two more years and I could see them being in there. I think right now, if they went up against the Lakers or the Clippers, I think I think they can beat the Heat, to be completely honest with you. If they go up against the um the Salt the uh, Lakers or the Clippers, I don't think they stand a chance. Yeah. So um that that's where it becomes dicey is like we could we have beaten Boston? Yes, but that's a could have. And we we didn't. That's the reality of the situation. It, 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 you could you could make an argument to run this back in the sense of um, I wouldn't endorse bringing us all back at all. Period. The end. But you could say like, look, Ibaka, take a one year cheaper deal. Maybe we add a couple more supplementary dudes that we can trust in certain elements of the game. Like hitting a shot, aka Matt Thomas. Like I don't understand why he still didn't get more minutes. And I'm, I'm still harping on that. Yeah. But um, y- you know, it's it's just things like that where you can plug and play guys when you get into certain positions to help or to give Nick Nurse more opportunity to change the rotation a little bit and have guys that he needs to have be playing in situations that he can go to guys and say, you are perfect for this type of situation. We need you right now. Uh, So I I could see a world where they do that, or I could see a world where they trade Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell and two first round picks to the Washington wizards, because I would be all over that deal. Um, I think that Bradley Beal is a stud and he's still young enough to be in a core for this team. He's an enticing enough player to make a guy like Giannis want to make the move over. He knows that there's a thing with Toronto. Everyone knows that the front office here is incredible. And you know, they're very smart and they're very wise. And that ownership has deep pockets and they won't be afraid to go into luxury tax if they need to. And they won't be afraid to make the necessary decisions to win a championship. Like that's all been established and that Toronto is a great city. So to me, it all kind of comes back around to this audition thing, right? Like, how are you going to best position your team by the time they got to get out and perform their act in front of everybody? How are they, how are you going to best position them to have a flawless act? How are you going to do it? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I can play devil's advocate, sure, um, yeah. I don't think the Raptors are going to be like auditioning next season for free agents. First of all, I think the Raptors have to figure out what they're, plan is like do they want to back or do they want to start focusing on the 2021 free agent class like if they want to start focusing on a 2021 free agent class you got to like keep your salary cap in mind right you don't want to fuck yourself over next year and then not have the money to spend in free agency the reason why i don't think the raptors should consider next year in addition it's because I think the Raptors have at this point proven who they are as a franchise. Like players are becoming smarter and smarter. They understand what's a well-run franchise and what's not. I think if you look at just the entire landscape of sports as a whole, the teams that do well are the ones that have good ownership, a smart front office that treat their players right. And I think the Raptors, like they get a lot of from all across the league. Like, everyone respects the Raptors. Players respect the Raptors. Like, media. Like, well, like, 
I don't think the media thinks the Raptors are world beaters, but I think as an organization, the Raptors do finally get respect. And it's because yeah. of what Messiah has been able to do, what guys like Nick Nurse have been able to do, and like even ownership, like Larry Tannenbaum has done a great job with this team. And you saw like how they responded with um, all the BLM protests. Like This team gets respected. They play hard. They're well-coached. They're very analytically driven. They're forward-thinking. And I think because of that, and I don't think the Raptors need to be auditioning. They just have to keep rolling. Like I'm sure Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster in that front office are going to come up with a plan because they have every single season. They've proven it. I'm sure that Pascal and OG take another step forward. I think people look at the Raptors and they're like, okay, holy shit, Like Pascal Siakam is so young and so new to basketball and he's just improved so much every single year. Like OG Ananobi looks like he could be really good. You know, and he doesn't have to be a number one option or a number two. So I think the fact that the and the fact that the Raptors have shown that they can develop players and they can and like Toronto's also like a phenomenal city. Like I think that whole like buzz about Toronto not and Canada just being a place nobody wants to go to is gone. And I think you gotta give credit to Masai Jury and everyone for dispelling all of that bullshit. And just one last thing about just Pascal Siakam, like maybe he's not able to be a number one option. And I agree with what Adam said about maybe he doesn't have to be. Like, let's consider this. There's very few players in this league that are legitimate number one options. Like, even if you look at the playoffs, in this in these playoffs, like n- not every single team has a legitimate number one option who you That's can true. like. But everything is fucked. Like, give them the ball because like, even in an ISO, they can figure it out. You know, and like we see even like the best players are struggling in ISO. Like look at Houston. James Harden is probably one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. But that Houston Rockets offense is so ISO heavy and they count on James Harden to take such tough shots all this fucking time. And he doesn't play well in the playoffs because he's taking tough shots. And the Houston success is predicated on Harden making tough shots. And he's like a number one option. Like, there's so few of those guys, like Kawhi, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph even struggles. Like, there's so few of those. So, I just, I think maybe the expectations for Pascal Siakam were too high. I think the Raptors keep rolling with Pascal and and OG, have them develop, and just have a plan in place. Like, yeah. Serge Ibaka, I don't think he should come back because he's earned himself a multi-year contract. And he's going to get paid. He's in his early 30s now. This is going to be the last time he can legitimately get paid in this league. If he decides to come back, great. If Marcus Gasol wants to come back on a cheap deal because he's not worth $20 million anymore, I'm like, fine. Like, I don't think Marcus Gasol is horrible, but I don't think he's worth $20 million. If he comes back on, like, a very cheap one-year deal, then, like, there's value for it. Like, so I, think- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take Marcus Gasol at $5 million. I, I definitely I don't I, I don't yeah, I don't think I he's a five million dollar player. I, I don't I, think so. I definitely think he's a five million dollar yes. dollar player. Yeah, dude. But yeah. but the like look, I think you got to realize who's getting five million dollars in this league to play. I know, I know. I'm so pissed off with Marcus All. He does not. I, like I I don't even care what the look, Raptors would offer. I, I'm, I'm done I with think him. the I I think the big thing is we need a couple of days to like get over this and then right. like start thinking again like. 
even like with the Milwaukee Bucks, when they first got eliminated, I'm like, holy fuck, they got to trade Giannis. But like now that I'm just like moving on, being rational, I'm like, okay, maybe they look to trade him because of what the Lakers gave up for Anthony da- one year of Anthony Davis. Or they can maybe look to move like Eric Bledsoe and try to get like a Chris Paul somehow and go for it. You yeah. know, like Chris Paul with Giannis would be horrendous. I think it's I think Chris Paul with anybody is be like perfect. Chris Paul is like Kyle Lowry can work with anybody. Chris Paul can work with anyone. You just need the right system. You need the right coach. You need the right players around them. Yeah. Um I wanna I wanna hop back on something you said about Pascal. You said that maybe our expectations were a little too high. Um I'm sorry, dude. I I, I yes, our expectations in hindsight were way too high. But when you're a starter for the All-Star team, right, and you, over the course of the regular season, blossomed in front of our eyes and acted as though you were the Raptors' number one option, and that's not no fault to him. He just performed as such. Um, Uh I do have a level of expectations that that carries over into the playoffs. And this is very DeRozan-esque. And I'm not saying that he's a choke artist in the playoffs yet. I'm not there. I'm just saying... That mirrors a DeRozan-esque kind of story. Right. Um, right. And, and so I, I just, I, I need to see more from him. And there's still time. I'm still right. willing to give him some rope. But right now, it just, I, I don't think it's, blind, I don't think it's, it's mm-hmm. beyond anybody right now to say that he was bad in the playoffs. And I think it's time that sure. every Raptors fan outwardly admits that. I'm tired of hearing the, but his defense, but his defense, I, I'm, how many look, points did defense give us? Zero. Look, <laughs> look, he got he got blown by by Jason Tatum all game today. Like his defense wasn't great today. Um, and yes, he started in the All Star game, but fans vote for that. Stephen A. Smith votes for that. Sure. Like, but but here's here's another thing. We saw a lot of ISO Pascal Siakam in these playoffs, and like, look, I'm very much against ISO. I think it's fucking horrible. Like you gotta, you gotta do something. You can't get him going by putting him in an ISO at the top of the key and have him dribble. You know, like obviously he had to be more aggressive with cutting and getting better looks. But there are a lot of times we saw him in the ISO, and like you said, it's kind of Demar Derozan esque when, like Demar, like no, there's in my mind the most inefficient shot in basketball is a mid range ISO shot and. Too many times have we seen that in, from Pascal Siakam these the, these playoffs and like, fuck, like Fred was doing just, them too. Yeah, I com- completely agree. Like the Raptors, I don't understand why in the playoffs, and you see this from so many teams, you see teams like go back to like ISO ball. Like you play one way in the in the regular season, why must you call isolation plays? It makes no sense. It's not smart basketball. It's not smart offense. Like, keep moving the ball. Use the pick and roll. Like, you saw from Boston how, like, they, they, they found ways to score. You yeah. know, they played as a team. Like, they cut all the fucking time. Like, they penetrated the, the Raptors' defense. Like, they kept looking for options. Like, if I look at this entire series as a whole, they the Celtics simply took better, they created more, like they created better looks more consistently than the Raptors have. And you got to work for that. And the Raptors didn't. 
Well, we got a few tweets coming in uh, regarding some thoughts. I kind of want to lay these on you one by one. Connor, we'll start with you because this is, uh, you know, kind of um, similar to the point you made about Nick Nurse. So, um, at mharp83 says, uh, Nurse sticks with his guys thick and thin, came back to bite him in the ass and should have sat Pascal more. Now, we were talking about how he should have sat Gasol earlier, and I agree with you there. Do you think it was a mistake on Nick's, Nick Nurse's part to not sit Pascal? And if you do think it was a mistake, I guess my follow-up question is, who do you put in? I was fully prepared to have Pascal sit on the bench for the final five minutes of the game put in Serge Ibaka. I was fully prepared mm. because that was, that, point, yeah. that was yeah, I understand that. But no, no, I'm, I'm recalling gonna... the, the, the. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we, we were running small. Pascal was at the five. So that's why if you're going to still look for that mobility and understand like you're going a little bit bigger in size, so like, you don't mm-hmm. run the com- completely small ball lineup. But if you're looking for that mobility, Serge is going to give you that a lot more than Marcus Saul kind of just fits more of what you're hoping to play. Mm-hmm. I was fully prepared at that moment. I, I looked at the screen. I said, sit him, yeah. sit him because um, he, he gave you zero on offense today and he did have some good defensive moments, but it wasn't enough for me to hold him in this game. I think the only reason why Pascal was out there was because he's, he's their guy. He's their max guy. Um, and I think Nick, Nick was almost trying, he was kind of too political in his head. And this is where I I understand that like I th- I think Nick, I think Nick Nurse is a great coach. I th- I still think he's one of the top three to five coaches in the NBA. But I can guarantee you, if that was Popovich on the other end, he would not have hesitated in getting rid of Siakam. Yeah, I can guarantee you, if that was Eric Spolstra, he wouldn't have hesitated. Well, yeah, because Popovich took Tim Duncan out when you needed a big rebound at the end of a big finals game. Thank you. Well, so, this, yeah. like, this... I, I No, I get it. I understand that. I did, like, I didn't fully... Okay, I get it. I'm no, I'm, I'm just um, I know, you're trolling. But the thing <laughs> is, you have to... Like, it, if anything, Serge would be getting you that rebound more than Pascal, if that's, like, if, if we're going to come down to rebounds. But... Sure. um. You have to. I, I think that Nick has an understanding of the situation that's on the floor, but I think sometimes he tries to suppress it a little bit. Like it was pretty obvious that Siakam was becoming more and more and more of a liability as the game went on. And to me, he did not, he didn't deserve his minutes that he got. He didn't deserve to be in the closing unit. So that's why I'm really frustrated with Nick Nurse today. I just think that there were, I think he left Gasol and, uh, and Siakam out too long. Notably for Siakam in the final five minutes of the game when he made that turnover, to me, that was, that was a massive moment. Yeah. Uh, that's when I, that's the first time I sat there and I thought this game is over. As soon as he made that and I said, if you can salvage this game, you have to get rid of him now. Yeah. Uh, and I would have brought in Serge Ibaka. So that's just me. Um. If yeah. I can quickly say one of thing. Yeah. Um, it seemed like Pascal's main assignment was covering Jason Tatum. And 
I don't know if Serge Ibaka would have like I I'd have to know what their I thought what their like defensive plan was because they it, probably would have switched OG no absolutely you put OG yeah yeah I, I don't know I don't know um, I know Serge Ibaka has struggled a little bit this series against the pick and roll so maybe that's why they didn't want Serge in there just because Pascal is still more mobile and long and he still has that length and athleticism. And Serge doesn't have like that explosive mobility like Pascal has, but I don't know. I like Pascal, yeah. Pascal didn't look good at all. Um, I can see why Nurse stuck with him, maybe because of that like extra mobility, and maybe he still liked that the matchup on Tatum, just uh, having someone very mobile and long, but. Well, this is why I'm frustrated. Like, Pascal has one good game or two good games. The series is in Toronto's favor. And that's why I'm not necessarily opposed to like I can I wouldn't be opposed to them changing things up, and I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to them keeping yeah. things somewhat status quo. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to come back to on that point. Because like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know. That's I really right. don't know. All right. Um, another tweet. This sort of uh, falls in line with what I was saying about a superstar. It's from uh, Dave L ninety two ninety three. The irony of it all is, even after we proved all year that we can be one of the top two or three teams in the league, even without Kawhi, it all ended because Boston has a superstar who delivered them a game seven win, and we do not have that anymore. And this is the importance I feel of stressing that without a superstar. And this is I touched on it after game two. You don't have a superstar, you're not going to win a series. Sorry, like a pivotal series, a series with a team that can go toe-to-toe with you. You're not going to win it. We've seen this with teams in the past. We've seen this with variations of Raptors in the past. And the only one that thrived was the one with an absolute stud superstar, probably the best player in the world. So it's sort of an unfair comparison, but um, it, it's it's the truth. You can't win without a superstar. So maybe it is a matter of you know waiting a year and then hunting for one of those free agents. Or, Rich, maybe it's something similar to what you're saying of do a, a sign-and-trade and trade for someone like a Bradley Beal or something. Um, I don't know. But something needs to be done. And, you know, I'm all for waiting a year to see what happens for 2021. But I'll tell you, I'm not going to be that enthused about next year. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess what I want to, you know, wrap this up with is there's a couple of things. Um, this was, a, for all its faults and for all the things that we're talking negative about Pascal Siakam and, you know, Marcus Hall, this was a great playoff series for me. All in all, I'll take the highs and the loads because it was a, a, a roller coaster ride. But when it comes to the performance of Kyle Lowry, this cemented it for me. He's just, this was masterful. And I, I feel privileged to watch Kyle Lowry play this playoff series, especially that that game six. I feel privileged to watch that. And so hats off to Kyle Lowry and whatever you have earned after, if you decide to move on for, from the Toronto Raptors or decide to stay on the cheap, whatever, I respect him as a player more than I ever thought I could. And I hope that resonates around the NBA um, and it's you know casual fans that he's not a playoff choker. He's not. Um, secondly, I, I, I do want to say is as, as much as it pains for me to say, um, and Rich, you said it already, the better team won this series period, better team won. 
Um, I, I, I can't fault anything for, for the effort that the Toronto Raptors, you know, executed when they did. I can't fault anything when it comes to the officiating. I really can't. But the bottom line is that the Boston Celtics outplay the Toronto Raptors for the majority of this series. Um, I said this on your show, Connor, is that we didn't, it was so hard for me to predict a winner of this because we knew every single game which Boston Celtics team was coming out to play. We knew because they were consistent for seven games. The Raptors were not. Okay. And that just shows to you the discipline, the consistency, the chemistry, and the fortitude that the Boston Celtics had that Toronto Raptors didn't have for seven games. They had it in spurts, but they did not have it for an entire seven-game series. So it pains me to say, because I live in the area and I fucking hate this team, but the better team won. And that's uh, usually the better team comes out on top. So having said that, I, I don't know what you have to do to improve this. I don't know what you have to do to sort of change it up. It seems to be the go-to when you suffer a loss like this. You know, you're always looking for improvements and whatnot, what to do especially coming off a championship year. But I, I, I just don't have those answers. But all in all, uh, Celtics heat should be good. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a fun series. I, yeah, I mean, four. I, wow, I okay. mean, fuck, fuck the Celtics. <laughs> heat in four. Uh, no, just I'm not going that far. Going um, but like, if I can, if I can say this, sure. um, no, 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 not now. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think I agree with everything you said, Adam. And at the end of the day, like, I think the Raptors also just like ran out of talent to like in this series. Like, I don't, I don't think you need a superstar to win in the playoffs. I think I, I think win a championship. I think you do. I, I think that as we become more analytically driven as a, sport i think there's gonna be a ways to win without a superstar mm. i don't think the Raptors needed a superstar to win this series okay when it comes to game seven it all comes down to execution mm. and one team executed the other team didn't but what i just want to say is after the raptors won that championship last year there was so much euphoria there was so much excitement we were on like a nearly two-year like journey here with this team and I think, like, after two years, like, we can now finally, like, stop and reflect on these past two years. And it was just such a wonderful, exciting ride. And, like, it's so difficult to win one championship in the NBA. Like, the Milwaukee Bucks are finding it out the hard way right now. Like, the Raptors, what they've been able to do this year without Kawhi, without Danny Green, like, it's incredible. Like, this was a very fun team to watch after such a magical playoff run. And I think now, after two years, we can just, like, finally look back probably in a couple of days when all the sadness kind of, like, wears off and we get our heads back. And just, like, this has been one of, like, as a sports fan, this has been the best two years of my life, just watching this team. Hmm. And, like, I through a ton of shit with this team. I watched Andrea Bargnani get drafted. I watched Vince Carter cry about wanting to leave. I watched Joey Graham was supposed to be the next like star in this franchise. I watched his draft Rafael Rujo. I watched people get excited about Pop So getting minutes. Like this these past two years have been awesome and I'm thankful for what this team has been able to do. They've grown 
basketball in this entire country. Masai, Larry Tannenbaum, Nick Nurse, everyone there, Bobby Webster, they've made that franchise legitimate. Like they have oh they've earned respect from literally everyone across sports. So like I'm sad right now because like I hate losing so much. It's my least favorite thing in the world. But like this team is awesome and I'm excited for what they do in the offseason. I'm pumped for next year. Good, Connor, you're up. <laughs> yeah. Um shit. Y'all guys are putting the bar pretty high. Um I will say one thing that we talked about this team and I and I just see a tweet coming through and it's a quote from Nick Nurse and he said quote I already missed this team that was a hell of a two year run. Mhm. Yeah. Changes are coming. Changes are coming with this team. Uh, I think that 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 quote is an indication of such. I I think that um, I think there's going to be some big players moved or not coming back, or I I just think that there there's going to be names on this team that we know and love that will not be here next year. Fuck, um, Patrick, if I was going to go, no, no. <laughs> oh man, he's hey, he's not a back to back to back to back champ. Yep, his first over. his first loss ever oh. as a professional NBA player. Now he's cheesed. He's pissy and coming back. I'm rattled. Just kidding. Yeah. More Terrence Davis minutes. But um, look, you guys, you guys summarized it perfectly. Am I am I rattled? Yes. Am I sad? Yes. Am I depressed? Well, maybe. <laughs> but at the end of the day there's a lot of fan bases that would love to be in the position that we are experiencing playoff games coming off of a championship, just even winning a championship. There's teams that haven't experienced that there's fans that haven't experienced that there's fans of other, of other franchises that while they've won a championship, they weren't alive to experience that. So there's a lot of people that don't know what that feels like. And when we get to, sit back and and reflect on everything you know we we get to see that replica ring in our room we hmm. we get to know what it felt like you know with like people in toronto myself like i know what it felt like immediately running out into the streets of toronto after we won that championship and just looking around and seeing people climbing on street lights and standing on buses and waving flags around and chanting we the north and that type of experience may never like well it it may never happen again i mean you never know but it might not happen again for a while unless the right moves are made and again i completely trust in masai ujiri bobby webster the ownership group of mlc larry tannenbaum i believe in them and I think that they understand that they still do have a window here. I don't think by any means this result has closed a window of any sort. I think if anything, it's motivated them to keep something open. And I'm going to trust in this management group like I did when they traded away DeMar DeRozan and fired Dwayne Casey. I'm going to trust that they have an understanding of things around the league and that they have a pulse on what's going on. 
the heartbeat of transactions. I think that players understand that Toronto's a big player as well. And I think that they've garnered a lot of respect over the last few years. And there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of fans, and there's a lot of players that are envious of the Toronto Raptors and would love to be where, where we are right now, would love to be affiliated with this team. And I'm very proud of them, the way, the way that they've gotten. I, am I disappointed in the result? Yes. The beginning of the year, I said if they didn't get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I would consider the season a failure, so I do. But it was a weird year. I'm not going to make excuses for it. It's not the way that we envisioned it happening. Uh, things may have been different, but this is our reality. If things were normal, they may have been different, but like we have to face this reality head on. And um, uh, like I said, it's shitty, but uh, I'm I'm actually excited to see what type of moves will happen in the offseason and in 2021. I think it's a very exciting time for this team because I think that there's a lot that can happen to put this team right back to where we were and experience a euphoria again. All right. Well, if if anything, you know, chalk this up as a learning experience uh, for Pascal Siakam. Hopefully he does. Hopefully he, um, you know, doesn't let this create too much headspace for him. And he actually, you know, utilizes it as fuel to, to go forward. And, you know, to to reference one final tweet, uh, Raptor fan, at Raptor fan, um, huge supporter of the show, chimed in. <clears throat> he sent a tweet. He tagged us in it. Um, to Pascal, he said, you're going to get a lot of hate, kid. Use that as fuel. You know how hard you grind. Use your time and get better. You know you can do it. I know this hurts. Use it. Uh, use it. Shut out the negativity. Thank you for everything you were able to accomplish. I think that's true. I think that there, there's something to be said about the ability to use this experience and learn from it and grow. Will he yet to be seen? I hope he does. Um, again, we, we've seen a lot of great things from this team. We've seen uh, steps in the regular season from Pascal Siakam. We've seen OG Ananobi flourish uh, and, and really start to bloom. Kyle Lowry with a magnificent performance that I don't think I'll ever forget. Again, I, I, I went so far as to say that was a top three game in Raptors history for me, game six. Um, and it was on the back of Kyle Lowry. And I, I, I am, again, privileged to see that. Um, I do want to wrap this up, though. Every year that the Raptors season has ended on a sour note such as this in the playoffs um I, I i didn't have to do this last year because we won the championship and everybody you know it was all understood but for this season uh, since we got eliminated i do want to take this opportunity to thank everybody that has listened to the show um i i it was very difficult during the uh the quarantine period to come up with weekly content i'm glad everybody stuck with it i'm glad everybody um you know, sort of was patient with it. And I want to thank every guest that came on the show. Um, I, I don't really do much of anything when it comes to this. The guests come on the show and they're the smart ones. I'm just sort of regurgitating bullshit. Um, so I, I appreciate everybody that has come on the show this season, past seasons. Uh, you guys are the lifeblood of the show. The listeners, you guys are the support, the supporters, the lifeblood of the show. Um, what started as a a just a small passion project has has gotten uh bigger than i thought it would this is by no means a eulogy it's just a show of appreciation um thank you connor for coming on these shows thank you rich for coming on these shows thank you for having me uh make you guys look bad coming on your shows and uh, <laughs> uh look i i think you're right i think that 
next year or this off season is going to be very interesting. It, so the little nuances as to when they start the season, how they're going to balance all this out. It's going to be really fun to sort of see the draft, everything. Um, it's going to be a weird year, but uh, hey, at least we got the Blue Jays probably going to the playoffs, probably, even though they lost 18 to it's one. Like, today. It's like a 91% chance. Yeah. Probability yeah. I probably went down a little bit after today's game, but. They'll probably Whatever. Make fuck, the playoffs. Fuck, fuck today. Today sucks. Yeah. Today. Um, so having said that, Raptors fans, please hold your heads up high. I know it's been a while since we've experienced playoff defeat, but for me, it's mostly familiar territory. So uh, we'll see where Masai goes from that. Connor, you touched on it. That is exciting even in and of itself to see what blossoms out of this. Um, it's over. It's done. This is by far my favorite Raptors team ever. By far, and I know that's re- the the bar was held high on the championship team, but seeing what this team could do, there were people that didn't even have them on the fucking playoff uh, predictions when the season started, and they made it to the second round. I know we would have liked to go into the Eastern Conference Finals, and Connor, I do agree with you. There's somewhat of a failure in that they didn't, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm sure we're gonna have some off season talk. Um, heading into uh, the, the next season. But guys, um, it's getting late. It's after 1 a.m. here, Rich. It's 12 a.m. where you are. Uh, let's wrap this up. I don't want to hog the, the spotlight here. So, Rich, why don't you start? Do you have any closing statements? And afterwards, you can tell people where they can find you and uh, promote your shit, man. Go ahead. Sure, man. Um, again, thank you for having me on. Thank you for having me on like multiple times throughout the season. Um, I love doing this with you guys, both of you, um, even you, Connor. Um, <laughs> and, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and Adam, you're literally like the podcast voice of the Toronto Raptors. Like you're no. like you're literally like synonymous with Toronto Raptor podcasting in my brain. So Facts. yeah, um, shitty way to end the season, but we'll be back. And until then. You can find me on Twitter at Richard Burfs. Uh, no, that's not my Twitter. Uh, at Richard Burfs. There we go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be recording a podcast about the Raptors losing tomorrow. Picking pod. Be sure to check that out, too. Uh, we'll talk about the same thing with just two different people. And yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Of course. Go, Ranger. <laughs> Good. God. Rangers. All right. Well, um, like like uh, like Richard said, Adam, uh, it's been fun doing this uh, over the course of the post game pods and then throughout the season. Uh, won't be the last time you hear of of Adam and I. We might do something Blue Jays together at some point. Maybe. Sure. Hmm? Mm, yeah, sure. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll we'll figure something out because like, you guys know that we like talking to each other. So, yeah. um, you can find me on Twitter at to underscore sports views. Uh, my personal Twitter at Connor Chambers, uh, and then you can check out the podcast, the TSV podcast. Uh, you can see what our thoughts were heading into this game. If you wanted to do a bit of a game six recap uh, as well, just to see where where our headspace was kind of going into that. It's it's up there. It's the latest episode there. Um, I was joined by Adam in a, in a brief guest appearance from Rich where he had no voice and came and went. So, um, Adam, again, as always, thank you so much, man. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been a blast. 
I'm I'm excited. Just Raptors fans, I know this sucks. Like I'm really bummed, but let's be excited because I think that there's going to be a different iteration of this team that's really going to have our hearts. And I know that this team. I, I know I speak for Adam when we say that this team arguably was. I, I know it's Adam's favorite. It's arguably my favorite as well. Even though the championship team will always have a special place in my heart, I think this team was my favorite just for so many other reasons as well. Um, it's going to be interesting when what happens moving forward, and I think that there's going to be another team that has our hearts and and really captures us and just brings us to a different place. So, um, with that being said, that's that's it for me on the Raptor season. Uh, Freddie's not getting more than 480, and that's that. So. Um, Suck it, Adam. This is not happening. Well, look, um, all the things that both Rich and Connor mentioned in terms of their shows, their Twitter handles and whatnot, you can find them in the description of the show. If you are still interested in hearing what I have to say about the Blue Jays, um, I highly suggest you subscribe to the Jay Bird Watching Podcast. Um, I don't host it. I I co-host it with two other really smart individuals, again, smarter than I am, uh, Mr. Brendan Penicar and Mr. Craig Borden. If you guys want to listen to some Blue Jays talk, you can find me there on a weekly basis. Um, I, I try to keep involved with Toronto sports as much as possible. Again, if there's anything breaking news, Toronto Raptors, you can definitely find it here. I will have a podcast about it. Um, if you want to hear about me talking about things completely unrelated to sports, my wife and I have a podcast It's called While She's Napping. Um, I highly suggest you subscribe to that. We do this on a weekly basis. There is no off-season for that. So if you're interested in hearing my shitty-ass voice talk about weird topics, please, I, I highly suggest you, for some reason, subscribe to that show. But otherwise, guys, it's been a pleasure. Everybody listening, thank you for the support. It's been a pleasure being able to do this guy for you guys on a weekly basis. I'm sure we'll have some episode coming up soon. I, I'm looking at you, Peter K. We'll have a new therapy session. I'm sure we're going to need it. Uh, but otherwise, thank you guys for hopping on and uh, get some sleep. Fucking A. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Raptors.